Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Institute of World Mission podcast. Today's episode will be a bit longer than our usual ones. Today we want to share with you a recording of an interview we had with three fantastic people. They each are health leaders in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and we're discussing together how you can keep healthy in the era of COVID-19. In the panel discussion that you'll hear in just a minute, you will meet Dr. Peter Landless, who is the General Conference Health Department Director. With us also today is Dr. Katya Reinert, GC Associate Director for the Health Department, and also Marcia McEdward, Health Department Director for Middle East and North Africa Union. Well, because the episode is a bit longer, I won't come back to you with any more announcements at this time, at the end or in the middle. Just want to say that you will not want to miss next week's episode, okay? Our guest will be Dr. G.T. Ng, the Executive Secretary of the General Conference. Dr. Ng will speak with us about missionary resilience and purpose. Well, that's next week. Today, though... Let's move over to the topic of your health. Welcome to the Institute of World Mission Weekly Podcast, a show for Adventist mission enthusiasts striving to live, serve, and witness cross-culturally. Visit us at iwm.adventist.org podcast to view this podcast's show notes, links, and previous episodes. Institute of World Mission is your partner in the mission field. Thank you so much, Alex. It's a great privilege to be with uh, each of you today. And interestingly, uh, what I find and what I sense, uh, it's amazing to be right with you in your homes. I don't know where you live. I don't know where you are. But thank you for welcoming us into your home. And right now, you know very well why these things, uh, these webinars, these seminars, and some of the emphases we are taking right now are taking place. Why? We're living in unprecedented times. You've heard that time and again. And you may be tired of hearing it. And sometimes you may be even addicted to going back to hear why it is that we are uh, hunkering down, that we are in lockdown, and why it is that this sort of thing has become a way of life. And we walk around with alcohol in our pockets, uh, not to drink, but to wash our hands and never to drink, but always to keep our hands clean and to, to pay attention to all of these wonderful things. And it's a different world. If you think back to just in December, uh, how we went in towards the Christmas season, maybe visiting with family and friends, and, and we did not imagine, I didn't imagine, that the world would change so quickly and that the economic situation would change and the, uh, the security situation would change. The way we work, worship, and just the way we live. Jesus and the disciples were missionaries. They witnessed all of their time. And they were so busy. And, and at times Jesus said, well, let's, let's just go across and let's go and rest a while. And a story that I love so much is the story of Jesus and the disciples in the boat. And, they, and you know this so well. It's a story which if we had many hours to speak on, we could talk various aspects. But here we find that one day Jesus said to his disciples, Luke chapter 8, let's go over to the other side of the lake. They got into the boat, set out, sailed. He fell 
the sleep. It's the most wonderful thing when you travel to be able to sleep, provided you're not holding the steering wheel on the car. But when you sleep, the journey goes so quickly. And Jesus fell asleep and a storm broke out. And the disciples were troubled and struggling and they were bailing the water. They were worried that they were going to sink. And probably a, a lightning showed them Jesus sleeping at the back of the boat. And they went and woke him and said, Master, do you not care? We're going down. And Jesus got up, rebuked the storm. But he said to them, where is your faith? And everything became a calm. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the storm and the waves. We're being buffeted in a storm in the waves at the moment. And I can't help but think of one of our most treasured uh, verse or statements in um, Desire of Ages, where Ellen White describes the peace be still. And she says the disciples cried to him, Lord, save us, we perish. She writes these words, never did a soul utter that cry unheeded. Never did a soul utter that cry unheeded. Does that mean that we will never face issues? Does it mean we'll never get sick? Does that mean that either us or our loved ones will not die this side of the kingdom? It doesn't. But what it does mean is that he has promised never to leave us, never to forsake us. The story is told of a young man, a young an adolescent boy, who in a sad accident lost the vision in both his eyes. And uh, he was otherwise well, but he really became so introverted and so distraught and so depressed. His parents did everything they could to try and help him. And they tried to engage him, to encourage him. And one day, Father put on the tone of voice that sometimes we as fathers put on when we talk to our children and said, now, you're going to come with me, James, and we're going to, you're going to put up the screens on the windows outside the house. You've done this many times before when you could see, and now is a good time for you. I will place the ladder, you know where the screens, and you place each one on the windows. And James was not that happy, but he knew the tone of voice. And so he went, knew where the pile of screens was, with a ladder, and went window by window, carefully feeling his way up to the window, placing the screen, clicking them in as he'd done before, and then going down. And all the time in his heart, he was rebellious against the circumstance that he found himself. At the end of it, he took the stepladder and was heading to where he thought was where the garage would be. And his father's arm placed around his shoulder. And he, the voice said, son, thank you. You did a great job. And James shot back at his father. Yes, but thank, no thanks to you. I did this all by myself. And the father said, James, all the time you were up the ladder, I was at the bottom holding it for you. While we go through this storm, Jesus is holding the ladder. So whatever happens, we can trust him. He has promised never to leave us. And in Ministry of Healing, she writes, no circumstance will arise for which God has not made provision. Gracious Father, as people around the world join this webinar this morning, this afternoon, this evening, we come as we are and pray that you will not leave us that way. We come seeking your blessing, your assurance. We come fearful, 
we are stressed, we have an intellectual trust. We pray that you will help us to remember that as we cry out, Lord, save us, never was that plea unheard or unanswered. We pray a special blessing on each one in this webinar, each one who is seeking for that salvation, and Father, I seek that salvation, as do my colleagues and my friends. Take us, and thank you for loving us, and thank you that you've promised never to leave us, never to forsake us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Landless. Um, now, what we would like to do, we'd like to um, uh, have a discussion um, with our panelists and uh, invite you as you participate with us, um, also write your questions into the Q&A box. So when they come up, do that because we want to pay very special attention to your questions in the second half of our presentation today. Fantastic to see our guests, our participants today from all these different places. Thank you for sharing where you're from in the chat. I'm just uh, keeping an eye on this. There are some wonderful, wonderful uh, messages and uh, places listed. Now, um, just yesterday I read that Russia Federation, the Russian Federation beginning yesterday has the second place in the world on the total amount of cases. And we have someone here saying hello from, from Moscow. I'm saying this because there are risks for missionaries. Missionaries are facing certain health risks today because of the crisis. So my first question, I'd like to start, Katya, with you. Could you kind of describe what are those risks for us? Yeah, we are facing them, but for the sake of kind of really bringing this together. Uh, risk related to COVID you're talking about, right? Um, so, yeah, certainly missionaries are in the front lines. We are uh, ministering to people in various ways, right? Whether it is through the healthcare system, those that are health professionals, of course, are first responders in many ways. So they are in an increased risk, perhaps, than even other missionaries uh, because they are working in hospitals and clinics. Uh, where people are coming in seeking treatment. And of course, as all healthcare providers, they are certainly, because of their ministry, their work, um, potentially already much in a greater risk, regardless of how their health is, for sure. Um, and so they have to take even greater precautions. And, um, you know, sometimes they are in situations where there might not be enough protective equipment for them. And we have seen very sad stories of a few missionaries in places that have lost their lives actually to COVID um, and, and where, you know, their clinic was overflown with people needing care and many of the people there got sick. And so um, one clinic even in Peru had to close uh, temporarily. Most of their staff actually have COVID uh, position has passed, another one is in critical condition. So that's a very real risk for sure. Um, other than the healthcare providers, of course, we have um, people that are just in schools uh, or, you know, working um, in just in, in various other ways in the city that can come in contact with this. So it's a, a real risk to just, you know, going about the ministry, the day-to-day -day, uh, activities to be in contact with someone who is sick and acquire uh, COVID. 
and progress to a, a critical condition of COVID. We know most people probably will have a, an illness, but they'll survive it. You know, they'll have symptoms, not the severe symptoms per se. But that is a real risk that you can, you know, either have a mild disease, you can have a, a severe one and suffer, you know, going through critical care, even have to be hospitalized and even, um, you know, a real risk of dying if you do have a serious condition. So these are, are risks that we need to take seriously. Thank you, Katya. Marcia, on to you. We have many expatriate couples, Adventist uh, missionary couples living in the Middle East, North Africa, a good portion of our world global force, and uh, you're there. Um, what specific risks do you see for that part of the world or general the world from your experience? Yes, thank you, Alex. Um, really, um, right now in the Middle East and North Africa, right here in Lebanon specifically, we're in another four-day uh, lockdown where we're not supposed to leave our home except for food or medical care. But uh, missionaries have an extra challenge accessing that medical care in the sense of um, difficulty, um, understanding the system, um, even the communication that we receive is usually in Arabic and it's through uh, someone who reads the news Sometimes we don't get the full picture of what's going on. So even access to that care, should we need it medically, uh, can be challenging. And once you get into the medical system, um, you know, the, the communication barriers and some of those things, once you're navigating through the system, is challenging. So um, that's a real issue and can, can keep people from seeking medical care when they really need it. And this is uh, something that we shouldn't avoid, but it's, it's a real a barrier. Um, of course, um, um, the relationships in that medical care are different often than what we're used to. The doctors work differently with their patients, and sometimes that can be a frustration because you expect one thing and receive another and can't maybe get the answers that you're needing. So uh, that's a big challenge. And I'd like to mention also that we have specific to COVID um, the challenge of the environmental impact that we have. Uh, Beirut is one of the cities in, in Mena that has poor air quality. And uh, with the lungs being affected, um, you know, there's a lot more risk, particularly uh, to because of the exposure of the air quality um, to have challenges with uh, COVID-19 particularly. Um, you know, the particulate matter, they say, is over 60 times the permissible levels in some places in the Middle East and North Africa. Wow. That's just way over the top. So there's a lot of carcinogens in there, lead, cadmium, nickel, radioactivity. And then, of course, smoking is a part of that picture because that's a very high, high in prevalence in the Middle East and North Africa. Thank you. Um, another risk that comes to my mind, many cultures that are group-oriented um, may not see the value of social isolation as much or through the same lens as uh, individualistic-oriented uh, cultures. So perhaps there is maybe more fatalistic approach to the whole pandemic saying, look, if it happens, it happens, you know, inshallah. If, if God wills, then, then this is it. But we are a family. We cannot not be as an extended family together and so forth. So that may be another situation that many missionaries face across the world. With your permission, uh, let's move to the next section. We'll start with uh, Dr. Landless then. 
Um, so I guess it's the question of the day. How can missionaries prevent COVID happening in their lives? How can we prevent ourselves from getting sick? Um, Dr. Landless, let's start with you. Yeah, this is, this is the, the, the flavor of the day question in, in most conversations. Uh, how do we prevent this? And, and of course, it is so well known. It has been so much publicized that this is a, it's a, it's a novel disease. We don't have any immunity to it yet. And so uh, there's, there are all the measures being put in place to try and prevent uh, contact and spread the way that it comes through uh, droplet spread and uh, and contact with people. So the best ways we can go about it is follow the uh, jurisdiction uh, regulations and where we live. So if there's a lockdown, stick with it. Uh, of course, the, the social distancing, the six uh, feet apart from each other, two meters, and making sure that we uh, don't assemble in, in large numbers. Of course, when there's a lockdown, to adhere to that, uh, to make sure that we do the hand washing, which is very, very important. Uh, of course, there are challenges to missionaries, and uh, we could have covered that also if there's not enough time. Not everywhere has good, clean water to either to drink always and also with which to, to wash hands and to keep clean. So this is a challenge and something that, that we should pay very special attention to to make sure that we can do that. Then, of course, there's the, uh, the little alcohol, uh, six, at least 60% alcohol solution for keeping hands clean. And then there's the, those are the standard ways, uh, social distancing, coughing etiquette, sneezing into the sleeve. Uh, and then basically also the way we live our lives. Healthful living is vitally important. People talk about, well, what can I do to boost my immunity? Well, what we need to do is to live our lives in such a way that our bodies function optimally and that we're taking care of nutrition, balanced diet, healthful eating, regular exercise, sleep, adequate amounts of sleep, uh, doing all the things we know from the Adventist health message, which are so helpful. And I'm going to stop because I'm sure others have things to add. But here's a point which troubles me. It troubles me that people say, well, aren't Adventists doing a lot better than others in this? Well, we don't have the numbers yet. And my preoccupation is not specifically only that Adventists should do better. I pray that we will do well and that we will be healthy, but that we live the message God has entrusted us to have. That way we will be the most robustly equipped with a, with a strong immune system, with a strong approach, a good mental health approach to facing the issues. And we have no guarantee, even because we have faith, that we will not get sick, nor that we will not succumb. But we do know that we are in the palm of his hand. So I'm sure others have lots of thoughts. So thank you. Thank you. Um, let's go to Katya. Um, so the question is again, just, just for everyone to uh, hear it again, how can we prevent it from happening in our lives, right? It's a pandemic. It's happening everywhere. And it's a tough virus. Science tells us we don't know how to really um, uh, treat it. There is no vaccine yet. We don't want to get sick. So how to prevent it? Katya. 
Yeah, well, certainly, and I'll talk about that. I think it's important to remember that eventually, probably all of us will get it. So we can maybe try to postpone and, you know, prevent as much as possible, especially now, and a lot of effort is being done because of the, the burden in the healthcare system. You know, most countries are not ready to have to everybody get sick at the same time. But, you know, we, we have to keep in mind that at some point we will get sick. But there are things that we can do, of course, especially now to postpone that for the moment. And uh, Dr. Landis mentioned many things. I think that um, particularly for some missionaries, I was speaking with a group uh, this last week where they're in a country where actually they are very relaxed uh, right now with their rules. They're supposed we need to stay at home, but partly because of the culture, and you refer to that, people are actually in the streets, they are in the markets, they are... So there's a lot of, uh, there's no social distancing at places. So ensure that even if you are in a country where they're not taking this seriously, that you do keep some of the things that Dr. Lennon has mentioned, you know, at least six feet apart. Don't stay in groups greater than 10 people, you know, small groups, if possible, your own family, um, and, and do all those things. Wear a mask if you are going out. So in the case that you do have it and you don't have any symptoms, which is very common too, you don't pass it on to other people. And we have seen that wearing masks in public, uh, when you go to do your groceries, when you go to the pharmacy, uh, when you have to go out of the house, it's very important to, you know, reduce that. But certainly there are the lifestyle kinds of things that are very critical in this time. If you're at home um, and you're not working, you know, ensure that you do have a, a routine that becomes a healthy routine. A routine uh, that gives you at least seven to eight hours at more ideally of sleep. Um, you know, uh, every day, uh, a routine that allows you to include for sure exercise, you know, uh, 30 hour, minutes, one hour of exercise, ideally outside, you know, most countries that do have even the stay at home order do allow people to go out and exercise, not in, not in the groups, but, you know, look for a trail, look for a place where you can go that there's uh, not too many people there, where you can keep the social distancing of at least six feet or more, and, um, you know, that you can enjoy the fresh air, and especially the sunlight. We know that, you know, vitamin D do does have an important impact here. You know, studies that have looked at this have seen the vitamin D can help um, reduce the number of respiratory infections, can help somebody to really, you know, uh, perhaps um, uh, be uh, even better prepared to deal with an infection when it comes. And so you expose yourself to sunlight, you're exercising, you know, so th those are kinds of things in your routine that you can add. Another thing is, you know, Mentally, our emotional health is so important at this time, and it's so easy for us to be overwhelmed with the news about this, with the prospects. You know, many people are facing a concern of, am I going to have a job after this? We know as a church, there are already uh, a lot of changes that are going to take place. Maybe there are positions that may need to be um, relooked at. I just talked to somebody yesterday, a pastor who has lost his job along with several others, even here in North America. Now, you can imagine, you know, in the field where we are, there will be a lot of situations that can bring anxiety and um, concern, you know. And so doing things for our mental and emotional health, uh, trying to really trust in the Lord, and, you know, there are things that we don't have control over, but we know that God 
has control, as we just beautifully said in the devotion this morning. And so, you know, try to uh, take your mind off all those uh, thoughts that keep you anxious, you know, and uh, just allow the time to come and God to help you make decisions if you have to, but really not to focus so much on that negativity and all, you know, the bad things that you're hearing in the news, but really focus on being grateful for what you have, you know, on gratitude, on thoughts that are positive, uh, see how you can help other people because those things actually enhance your immune system as it, it comes, you know, and it can help you uh, face as well an illness in a uh, most effective way. I don't want to, there are many other things we can do. Maybe uh, Marcia can continue on, on the list. Yes, Marcia, now turning on to you, just uh, as I do a very quick uh, insertion here, it is not easy almost in every country to, you know, to follow all the rules and follow all the regulations. Um, for example, we are four of us, Amy and I, and our two sons, and we have a small apartment, and our youngest is so outgoing. He is so social. It is never, it would never be possible to keep him in the apartment. He has to have another kid to play with. Otherwise, I don't know, it would be just a disaster for our family. And so somehow between Amy and our friends couple that have children their age, you know, they really talk that maybe just our kids would be able to play and, you know, we are careful, they are careful, and that would be a solution for them and solution for us and somehow would allow our 12-year-olds to go and jump for two hours on a trampoline, you know, that's what they do every day. They don't see other kids, they just do this. They jump for two hours every day. The reason I'm talking about this, it's hard to keep healthy, but this is our goal and it's uh, it's something that as missionaries we're trying to, 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 to achieve or at least to prevent it as long as we can. Marcia, um, what would be your thoughts on that topic? Well, you know, the beauty of this COVID-19 and the way it's disrupted our lives is it's given us a chance to reorder priorities and evaluate how we've been living. And I think it's been actually personally key um, to um, future success and effectiveness, I believe. And so this is a valuable gift that we've been given, really, um, because we have this time. And so we can uh, prioritize those things that will boost our immune system, you know, avoid, start avoiding those sugars, uh, spending more time in the sunlight. We spend so much time at our computers indoors. Um, you know, you can see the really bright sunlight out there, and I'm in here. <laughs> and this is the way we live our lives so much of the time. But this is our chance, I believe, to prioritize. But the most uh, priority we need to give to time with God and spending that quality time that gives us our emotional peace, emotional health that can help us in any crisis that comes. Can I, can I mention something? You mentioned the kids and, and playing with the kids. And I think one of the things that is very important, again, not to be overly concerned, but really make sure that now everybody gets into the habit of washing their hands. They can play out with the game, you know, and the different things, but disinfecting things often, washing hands often, you know, help that become part of, of the, uh, the new routine so the kids know. And if, they, if they're playing, like you mentioned, you know, and outside, you know, as long as you can create that new kind of normal where they're always washing their hands after, you know, they touch things before, not putting their hands, in, you know, in, in their eyes, in their mouth, you know, 
touching their face with it, ideally, which is hard for a kid. But, you know, trying to start them to practice some of these things, it can be helpful as well, you know, to, to reduce the, the potential. So with kids, I think it's helping them create also new, new ways uh, and, and, and awareness of what they need to do. Uh, so that in that way, they can uh, prevent it as well. We do know that uh, if they're playing outside, that's the safest place in the fresh air. That's right. As well as the sunlight. We've been learning that it takes only three minutes in the sunlight to kill the COVID-19 virus. So uh, this is a, an important help for, for fighting against the disease and not sharing it. Thank you. Uh, I really appreciate uh, your friends uh, highlighting not just the physical, the body part, but also the emotional and the spiritual parts of, uh, of our well-being. Because sometimes we truly can be uh, overly anxious or so much worrying about this that this affects our health adversely. All right, I would like to take you to the next uh, part and discuss protocol, okay? So you, you guys are nurses, doctors, and have lots of experience. What if we do get in contact with somebody who is sick? Um, what do we do then? What's the protocol? That's the first part. And the second part, what if we ourselves get sick? Okay, so what if it's very close around us? And what if it's actually we get sick. So what to do? Uh, Dr. Landless, let's start with you. Yeah. When we've, uh, when we've been in contact with an, a proven identified contact, someone who is diagnosed with uh, coronavirus, COVID-19, we then need to, and we are the direct contact, we need to take precautions. We need to uh, understand that we may have been affected. And um, so we need to do what we call and, and isolate ourselves, quarantine ourselves from other people. It's a challenge when this occurs in a family and uh, the whole family then becomes basically quarantined because often the, uh, the contact is announced after the individual has come back into the home setting. So all who are in that setting are uh, affected by this. And what do we mean by this? You don't go, to go out, you don't go into contact with other people. And uh, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to do. It doesn't mean that, uh, that people cannot continue living in that home. But if there's been one person particularly exposed, what we've done in our workplace setting and uh, the advice we've given is that that individual goes into one room, hopefully, and this is the challenge. In some homes, people have a separate bathroom, a separate room. They can be kept separate. You can use different utensils. They can spend 14 days in a quarantine situation. And that's what we would recommend to take place. And as I say, this can be very difficult when, uh, depending on the kind of accommodation people are living in. And then the other thing which is very crucial and important is to observe daily and to make sure whether or not an individual develops a fever, a temperature, look mm -hmm. out for the symptoms that may occur. Symptoms may be those of fever, maybe diarrhea, maybe body pains, dry cough. Um, it's not always a typical thing. You know, often people say, well, what if I get the flu? Is that not every influenza, not every cold is COVID, but there are specific symptoms. And then when this, this dry cough is present, 
uh, also to note very carefully, if, is there any associated shortness of breath? Those are the major symptoms to look out for. So for 14 days, an individual would go into quarantine if they have had primary contact with the first, with the individual who's diagnosed. Um, there's been a lot of conversation as to, so what happens if you've got a contact of a contact? Well, generally the public health rules are saying a contact of a contact, uh, particularly if it's a, a passing contact, not an infinite long uh, exposure, it's not needing to have that same sort of quarantining isolation approach. It's a challenge. And I think one of the things, and I'm going to give over to others who I'm sure will have other points to make, that when our missionaries are facing situations where people are not following social distancing, are not taking it seriously, and they are not only not taking it seriously because they are just laissez-faire or couldn't worry, but many people have been caught without having stocks of food, without having that sort of provision made. And also uh, a challenge in many of our mission settings is what kind of transport is available? Do people have their own transport or are they transported in, in vehicles and on uh, transport mechanisms which crowd people together? So I mentioned that just as a, an appendix to what happens when one is affected, that we take a very careful emotional and also a non-critical approach to many who surround us who don't have the same opportunities and understanding that we do. Thank you, Marcia. Let us uh, turn to you. Protocol advice. Uh, if we get in contact, uh, what, what would be best in especially in different places around the world? Please. I think it's a time to really focus on our immune systems. Of course, the best time to focus on the immune system is before you're even exposed and to have a strong health. But um, if exposed, it's a, a time to begin making sure that you're drinking water, that you're getting your rest. Um, these things can really tear down the immune system. Um, so to build it back up, we need to make sure we're very careful also with the food that we eat, making sure that it's uh, no sugar, but we're getting high antioxidants and healthy natural vitamin C and zinc and, and these things that really boost our immunity naturally. It's also the time... Um, that uh, we can apply heat because uh, something about uh, COVID-19, it uh, decreases the body's fever response in a lot of cases. And so there's a period of time before people would, if it develops severely, there's a period of time that people are home, sent home from the hospital after being confirmed with COVID-19, but then sent home until they become so bad that they need to go to the hospital. So that window of time we have to actually um, work on their uh, keeping the virus at a low count and uh, doing hot and cold treatments. Uh, hydrothermal therapy can be just um, uh, hot and cold showers can really provide that fever effect that helps to keep the virus count down so that our body can function enough to, to kill it off. So this is an important time to really focus carefully on guarding the immunity, the immune system. Thank you. Um, I don't know what it is, but since March in our family, every morning we have this wonderfully tasting lemon water. I don't know if there is a coincidence uh, or, or what, but uh, that's an addition uh, from, uh, from Amy in, in our family. Maybe that, maybe that helps. We've been thriving, of course. 
<laughs> no calculations made. Thank you so much. We are very close to our question and answer time. We have two questions already submitted, and I would like to encourage everyone. We have like 15 minutes right now, right, to, to do this. So please submit your questions. It's now time, and I'd like to start with a question that's been asked several times outside of our meeting today, but is so pertinent to the lives of missionaries. And here's this. How to balance if you're a missionary and the host community around you just insists that you do your work, that you come to the office or whatever, and they want to meet with you and they want to interact with you, and you feel you need to be isolated a little more, and there's just this pull and push of mutually exclusive ministry and health interests. And this is a question I'd like to address Katya with um, what to do in such a situation. Okay. Um, before I answer that, I just want to make a comment about the other question. We have to yes, keep please. in mind that uh, we never know whether or not we've been exposed because there's a lot of people who have COVID that has no symptoms. So all these things that we heard in terms of, you know, we have to take the precaution thinking that everybody is positive. And so, you know, uh, we need to keep that in mind. Several cases of people who end up somehow not knowing uh, and perhaps being too relaxed and end up uh, exposing themselves unnecessarily. So let's just remember to keep everyone as a suspect of, of COVID and then wear a mask, you know, because we could be also be that and disinfect things and use all the precautions mentioned uh, with that. But this question that you brought up is so important. And I think that this gives us an opportunity, if we are in that situation, to actually educate people and uh, place ourselves following some of the same things that we are trying, you know, or teaching here, and maybe educating them um, uh, as far as that and in, in trying to uh, give a role model, of, uh, you know, be a role model in that situation. So let's say if, if you're being forced, let's say, which I think it's unlikely, I think uh, throughout our church, if you're working as a missionary in our church, I think has been very clear directions all over. Uh, and I've seen even in countries where the surrounding community is not taking it seriously, our church is leading by example, oftentimes, and they are putting in place the stay home orders, you know, or uh, and, um, asking people to be in groups that are smaller and taking the distance precautions. So I think uh, if you are not in that situation, which I think is unlikely, but maybe if you are, maybe you can, you know, help educate people about it. Take the precautions, wear the mask if you have to go and talk to people. Uh, keep the distance, uh, you know, and, and explain why you're doing these things um, so that maybe you can educate as well as you uh, do this, um, you know, meet the needs in terms of trying to do the job, but trying to keep the distance, wear your mask, you know, do some of these things that can actually help educate uh, people where they are. It is a very difficult balance. But I think uh, we all would agree that health is more important because if you don't take care of that, uh, many other people may, you know, be harmed by it. They may be uh, unnecessarily exposed at a time where it might be difficult for them to get the care they need right now, at least. 
in the Q&A box, I already see one particular comment. It's a comment rather than a question, but it's very similar to this particular issue. So we are kind of addressing that. Please, um, Dr. Lamas. Yeah, thanks, Alex. Um, there, are, there are two points that I think need to be emphasized. I hate to be the killjoy in the group, but sometimes when we talk about the subject of COVID-19 and we talk about, and I'm passionate about the health message of our church, and about healthful living and living appropriately. But we kind of give the impression that it's totally in our hands that we will not get this disease. Mm -hmm. Are we going to optimize our immune system? And, and forgive me, Marcia, you, you and I have worked well together so far, and I hope into the future. <laughs> I, I try and avoid the term boosting the immune system because this is an immune disease and, and, and often the, the very severe consequences are because of the unleashed immune reaction which brings about the cytokine storm that then results in, this, in, in, the, in the respiratory failure. So we need to remember there are vulnerabilities. There are people who are more vulnerable than others. This is related to being age over 60, 65 people with diabetes, people with heart issues, people who have lung problems. Then I think we also need to remember very carefully that we need to do everything we can. But if people get sick, this is not a judgment. Yes. We, we clearly will do, and I know nobody on the panel has said this, and, and, and I know, but I, I really wish this message to get through that we do all we can. And if people insist that we should do things we know we don't, are not appropriate, in other words, if they're insisting on having meetings, in larger numbers, etc., then we need to lead by example. We have to be responsible, and we also need to show that when there is a jurisdiction put in place or a regulation put in place about, you know, even the, for me, it's been very painful, and for many of us, for all of us, to see our churches closed. But when you look at so many of the uh, epicenters of, of super spreading of the virus have come from congregational settings. Mm -hmm. We need to be responsible. So, Alex, that's my plea is that it's two things. Let's not place the burden on people that it is all their responsibility. It is our responsibility to live healthfully. But if people get sick, um, not to say, oh, well, you know, maybe they'd have done better if they ate a little more vegetarian food or if they did this or did that or did the other thing. We're not in the business of judgment. We're in the business of living healthily to serve God. And so I would really urge that we, that we keep that balance. And as Katya really very beautifully pointed out, keep a routine. Uh, there's a challenge. Somebody called me the other day, one of our retired workers, and said, his wife came to the phone and said, aren't you having a wonderful time now, having a bit of a break? I said, a break? I'm working harder than I've ever, not ever, but I'm, we're working nonstop, Zooming from 6 in the morning till 12 at night and not bragging about being intemperate, but we've got to have a routine. We've got to do things appropriately. So I just wanted to, to just balance that point if we... If we think about living a healthful life. Can I make just a quick comment, Alex? And I, I so agree with what Dr. Nandler said. I, and that reminds me, um, I think we need to be very careful where we get our information. 
what we are seeing right now is a huge amount of counsel or or things that work, you know, or things that we should do, but many of them are not endorsed by peer-reviewed science. And, um, you know, even there has been, even in the church, a lot in the church, symposiums and things that have been out there that give information, but it's not necessarily supported by peer-reviewed robust research. And so right now we can't really say this is what's happening just because we heard it somebody say it in a symposium, you know, because uh, the reality is that there's a lot of unknowns and not a lot of research that yet we can perhaps draw ideas. And that's what we're trying to say here, things that we know it's, it's maybe helpful. But as Dr. Landis pointed out, eventually, and I think I mentioned earlier, all of us will get it, you know, at some point. And so it's not like, oh, it's a terrible thing if you do well. If you do, we have to, you know, follow other precautions and, and follow through the, the course and watch the symptoms and, you know, do all you can. But let's be very careful the kind of information we are embracing right now. This is one of the worst things is coming out of, of this whole situation is the virus of misinformation. I would, I would really need to add a very important point to that. You'll notice on the church-related symposia, there's a disclaimer that comes up regularly the opinions shared in this meeting by the speakers does not necessarily reflect the position of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I've heard that um, sunlight again today dissipates this virus. Well, what happened on the cruise ships? You know, those became some of the greatest crucibles of culture of this virus. Now, I understand that many people together, etc. But I think we should be careful of being simplistic in thinking that, oh, I'm going to go out in the sun for three minutes and then everything's done. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's not going to change if there's a virus sitting in your respiratory tract. What it will do, yes, it will boost your production of vitamin D. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully, you know, we're not going to have people lying in the sun all day getting melanomas and, uh, and skin cancer. There's got to be a balance. And so, when we bandy terms around, when we use terms and say, well, you know, just the sunlight will do this and just drinking a lot of water, do it all appropriately. Do it within the, within the balance of what a healthful life and, and, and lifestyle is and, and try and bring the whole group of interventions and preventions together. And that is where we're going to hit the sweet spot. And come back to the point. There's no guarantees in this except for one that God will be with us, whatever the outcome is. Mm -hmm. So not wishing to be negative, but filled with hope and convinced that God will carry us through, we can move forward with tremendous courage, mm -hmm. but also tremendous realism. There is a question in the Q&A box which uh, reads uh, the following. What are the indicators that it is already safe to enter again into the community while the lockdown is lifted up? So it's, as it is lifted up, how soon are we to embrace the community around us? There's a very simple answer to that, and that's a metrics number. What's happening to the number of cases in the area where you're living? The number of cases is going up, and sadly we're seeing this in a number of areas around the world. People are opening up making decisions, when case numbers are continuing to rise, I think we can understand that we are going to be running into issues. 
Yeah, I think this is a very difficult situation because it really will depend in each country, in each area, even within the same country, different areas will have, you know, a different way of looking at this. We also know it's not just about health. There is this huge element of the economy and what it's doing. And that's where it's so difficult because you have people losing their jobs uh, with financial hardship uh, that may not, you know, that are really struggling and they need to go out and, you know, do some work, particularly in countries. Um, and many of the missionaries here are in countries with an unstable financial uh, situation where uh, people, if they're not out selling things, you know, uh, they may not be able to eat or, you know, to survive. And so there's two big areas, the health, uh, the protecting the health of people with the financial issue. And um, that is what most countries are struggling with. Where do we weigh this balance? And as Dr. Landis pointed out, if you're looking at the health aspect, which we consider important because you're not going to be able to work if you if you're sick or if you die right so and it impacts communities so if you're looking at um, the health aspect being as a priority then you want to really and according to the who here in the us is the cdc the plans uh, of of opening have to do with at least two weeks of numbers okay new cases hospitalizations going down the healthcare system being prepared to receive a, a surge of patients because that is probably what will happen when we open up, we'll have more cases. And if you have more testing, where many countries, they don't have enough testing, so they don't see the number of cases because there's not, not enough testing being done. And so, you know, but being prepared in the healthcare system to receive new patients in an adequate way because that's partly why the closure is to allow the healthcare systems to prepare itself to receive cases without having to choose who's going to live, who's going to die, because there's only 10 ventilators in any ICU. You know, so, so the healthcare systems also needs to be ready, even if the cases are going down, but the healthcare system don't have enough contact tracing people, which is those people that are going to follow through if there's a new case who those people uh, that are positive had contact with. So the healthcare system needs to be able to send people to do the contact tracing. Uh, they need to be able to have PPEs for the healthcare off, uh, people. They have to have new uh, enough beds to treat if the cases surge again. Uh, and all this preparation, it was partly what we were doing during this stay-at-home order. And if the places are ready and they have a lot of these elements in place, then perhaps they will open up even though the cases are not necessarily totally going down uh, because then they feel they're prepared. And that's what's happening in Maryland where we live right now. The cases are not enough, you know, for long enough going down, but the healthcare system is ready now to receive. But it's still cautious because there's stages to this. And the stage one, maybe some businesses will open up. And so it's, it's very low, you know, depends on the location, depends on the healthcare system ability, depends on the cases very um, different elements as far as we're concerned we have to if we can take it slowly you know uh in our situation we are blessed if you have a job if you have you know but and try to help others that that don't families that don't so that they also don't uh, have huge needs during this time Dr. Lamas. i i agree with that um just a very brief point we need to live our lives from here on out practicing all the important behaviors 
that we have learned and have been re-emphasized during this crisis. We need to live as healthily as we can. We need to take into real practical consideration all the things we've known about, but we're not always practiced. We need to remember to continue not social distancing, but physical distancing, and to be aware of the way that we conduct ourselves. And with all of those good things in place, even if we're not confident that the areas where we are living are doing the right things, we should uh, do the things we can. And the issue of masks, which is a controversial point in many people's minds, remember, we do that to protect someone else. Mm -hmm. The director of the World Health Organization made an amazing plea in around about March 14 when he was talking to the world. Uh, the pandemic was proclaimed March 13. And in a conversation, he said, when young people were going to the beaches and said, I'll do, it's my body, I'll do what I like, young people don't get sick. He said, the choices young people make can save the life of another person. We need to be responsible. So as we go into this uncharted territory of uncertainty and have to go out and do things, let's do the appropriate things. Use the mask, wash the hands, uh, keep the appropriate physical distancing so that we can continue to help and do the work God has called us to do. Just before we pray to conclude this meeting today, and uh, I would uh, ask if Marcia would be so kind to pray with us to, to finish up. Um, one last question that was asked, and I'll just bring it up uh, to our health department at, at the GC. A gentleman asked if people in the United States can congregations, members in North American division, can be of help to other areas in the world. If, if the health department is perhaps able to make any of those connections and so forth, um, would you please respond to that before we conclude our meeting? We, we have a number of places around the world who have, and, and what has been so heartwarming, we find the China Union Mission. They were the first group we were able to extend the hand of help to. They came back and said, you know what, we want to give our world church, and they collected a sum of money, the Chinese mm -hmm. Union Mission, to help the world church. That came as is coming in through the General Conference and will be distributed around the world. I think that Wherever and in the North American division, uh, if people want to help, the best way for them to do this is to work through their local divisions. Mm -hmm. To uh, work with the division, um, health director of the North American division, Dr. Angie David, she would be aware of areas where she can help and work, where they have needs. In this country, there are needs. The, the Navajo Nation is in a huge need right now. There are many places which have needs right on our doorstep. But then if people want to particularly direct help to overseas territories, we would be more than delighted to work with our treasury and with our secretariat to help identify and distribute help if it's forthcoming from people within various territories, wherever it may be. Thank you, friends. Um, thank you, our participants, for your time. Most importantly, for your ministry, for your dedication to the communities that uh, God called you to serve. Thank you for panelists. And uh, just before we pray, I'd like to make one announcement. We just got uh, um, 
word this morning that next Thursday, we will be able to have an online meeting like this, same time, 8 a.m., hopefully that will stay, with uh, Elder G.T. Ng, who would like to um, meet with uh, the missionaries of the World Church and discuss the topic of resiliency that uh, missionaries do have and, uh, and should have and how to grow in this together with the Lord. Missionary resiliency together with Pastor Ng next Thursday, 8 a.m. Um, Eastern Daylight Time. You'll be getting emails. We will be uh, sharing uh, the news if there will be any changes in time or date, but that's uh, what we have for today. And with that, we conclude. Marcia, if you would please say a word of prayer with us. Our dear Father in heaven, we thank you for this chance to be together for this hour to talk about COVID-19, the changes that have come upon us that have really turned our worlds upside down. And yet, Lord, we know that you hold our world and you hold all the worlds. And Lord, we just uh, ask for your wisdom, for your guidance, and for your protection that you will be with us. You have promised that you would be with each one of us, even to the end. And Lord, as I think of all the missionaries that this may reach, I just want to pray for them individually. You know them. You know the struggles that they're going through. You know their uh, joys and sorrows during this time. And I just ask, Lord, that you will carry them, that you will show your presence with them, and that you will give them joy in the journey, even as we walk these end days of Earth's history. We just uh, thank you for the promise of your presence. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.